This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Intuit QuickBooks. Accounting professionals and bookkeepers have long been at the forefront of using cutting-edge technologies to take the profession to the next level and to ensure they're delivering the best possible service to their clients. Whether you want to grow your firm or sharpen your skills, Intuit QuickBooks provides you with the AI-driven products, services, and the resources that you need to help all sides of your career take shape. To learn more about how QuickBooks Online, QuickBooks Online Accountant, QuickBooks Live Bookkeeping, and the Pro Advisor Program can help you grow your practice and scale your impact, head over to Cloud cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash QuickBooks. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash Q-U-I-C-K-B-O-O-K-S. QuickBooks, backing you. And I think a lot of us lose that, men and women, young and old, we lose that hope so early in our lives. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. I'm David Leary. I'm Stacey Ennis. I'm Nancy Buffington. I'm Laura Tully, and we're from Next Level Women Leaders. Next Level Women Leaders. We are here at QuickBooks Connect in San Jose, 2019. We are uh, recording live. Um, all of you are on the QuickBooks Connect speakers page, and I start poking around because I'm like, what makes a good podcast? Like, what's interesting? And usually it's like, this is what will be interesting, something I don't know a lot about. And I start drilling down everybody's profiles, and I noticed all of you uh, are founders of the Next Level Women's Leaders, right? And me being a father of a very powerful 13-year-old girl who's like, she's the president of her school, and she's very career-focused and very driven and very strong-minded. What makes, like, like, why is there a need for a communication platform and leadership training for women? Like, why, why, is, why does that have, need to exist, or why did you found that? Well, we started Next Level Women Leaders because we noticed a gap um, with women that we were working with, and it was really a gap between what they knew was inside of them, the potential that they knew they could achieve, and what the world believed they could deliver. And so our training is really about helping women align who they are on the inside with how they show up on the outside. I'm going to say a little bit more there. Um, more power to you and your daughter for mm-hmm. having, you know, for her being a really powerful 13-year-old. I was a really powerful um, and eccentric girl in the 1960s, um, surrounded by artists and all kinds of crazy people. And when I turned 12, I got real quiet real fast because at 12 years old, you know, you're developing, you suddenly have peer pressure that you're aware of. And I went absolutely silent from sixth grade until the end of, of graduate school, never said a word in class. And so that's kind of what Stacy was just talking about, this huge gap between what you have inside and, and the potential you've got and what you're showing to the rest of the world. So I had a lot to get over personally in order to be able to share that. And that's why, you know, I feel like we all want to give back in that kind of way. Is it just stifled naturally by stereotypes and other people's behaviors? Is it just Learned at 12 years old that it really was not okay to be a smart girl. Mm. I think it's a combination of all of it, too. You know, I think we take in the stories of what we're told where we should be placed. Um, We take in the stories of cultural expectations. But I think we also craft our own stories about where we feel like where we fit in or where we belong. And I think what's cool about Next Level is that we really allow women to have that space where we could have these really hard conversations mm-hmm. about showing up in your own way. And that doesn't have to be, I got to be like a guy or, um, or I have to be really feminine. It can be on a term where you're actually defining it in your own way. And I don't think most women get to have that space for themselves because it's always being carved out 
for other people. A, a lot of the, I guess, maybe not so much now, but at least in the past, a lot of the advice to women was act more like men mm -hmm. if you want to get ahead. Right. And there's still, I think, still some of that messaging that goes on. Yeah. And you're saying it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That's right. And we're in a really exciting time to be able to gather women together in a space and talk about these issues and to um, help each other feel emboldened to take that next step and maybe take a risk or at least define for ourselves what our lives can be and then take the steps to get there. I mean, that's really what we're aiming to help women do. So our last interview we did was... Uh a, there was a bunch of accountants coaches and some of the big problems for accountants and bookkeepers is value like charging for their value or mm -hmm. finding value in themselves mm -hmm. but it sounds like that's almost a double-edged challenge for women because you're, you have to give really kind of this women stereotype and am I valuable as a woman and then now I gotta figure out if I'm valuable as an accountant or bookkeeper right. and so that's what you guys do is help people entrepreneurs then get over that these hurdles yeah and I think it's more than just um, get over it but I think it's it's really intentionally carving their own space and you know whether you're a man or a woman um, I think it's really having that space where you can actively participate in how you are showing up and I think you know I think what Next Level does is give these women the space to really immerse themselves in in conversations that are quite frankly like it's you know the, our two-day training is is very challenging and um, and the feedback that we get from our attendees are that it pushes them in ways that make them really uncomfortable but I feel like that is part of the growth that's part of the process of, of really getting to where to where you're gonna thrive so uh, gender diversity is a significant diversity basically in general is a big problem in the accounting profession mm. right I I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but it's like less than 20% of partners at firms, mm -hmm. at least the big firms are women, right? Am I, am I, I'm close to that, that number. I think, right? I think it's like, it's almost 50% at the beginning as far as like entering the profession. And mm -hmm. then as it goes up each la layer of management yeah. to partner, it just goes less. There's just so much attrition. That's typical. So, yeah. so, you know, what, what advice do you have to women who are in those firms who are not partner and aspire to be partners and, and want to break into those ranks, like how do we fix this imbalance? Or do I try to work my way into the system that's already there or do we just say that's failing and it's never we can never fix it? One of the things that I would say, and it goes back, David, to what you were saying about value, is we really start with values. What is my value and what are my values as an individual? Not those that are given to me, but what am I carving out for myself? And so that's a real mindset piece. And that gives you this clarity to then realize that you actually have a fair amount of choice and freedom about, do I want to go do my own thing? Do I want to do this corporate thing? Do I want to create something entirely new? And it's really based on your your values and what you want to get out of your life and what you what you have to, to contribute. And then everything else builds on that. That's the foundation. I, I could build on that as yeah, well. I think one of the things that we hope women take out of this training is to recognize that they actually have more influence than they believed previously. Um, and teaching them ways to, to influence the people above them, around them, below them, in their lives, in their work, um, and to begin to feel this, I think, hope for, for having more influence in their, in their work. Yeah. I, 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 just to add to that, I, I, I think it's, it's also recognizing that momentum can happen wherever you are. You know, so whether whether you're at 
an entry level, whether you're about to put yourself in the position of advancing in your career or asking for that big raise or whatever it is, I feel like the point for progress is to plug ourselves into all aspects and all arenas to make our physical selves and what we think and how we think visible. Because, you know, if I'm not in the room with you guys, like, you're not going to know what I'm thinking. I think so, this applies to men, too. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Vice versa. Yeah. Totally. Right. I think, so I I, uh, my da- I have a daughter and she's six. Her name's Lily. Um, and I observed one day, it just kind of, I'd seen her do this a bunch of times, but um, it just struck me this one day that when she looks at herself in the mirror, she has this huge smile on her face. It's like she can see what's inside of her. She sees all this greatness and potential and hope. And I think a lot of us lose that, men and women, young and old, we lose that hope so early in our lives. And and I think that there's room for us to to reclaim that mm-hmm. and and move forward into a vision, a life that we really truly want. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's both arenas, too, of women giving men the space to be vulnerable and men allowing themselves to not act as the, what's, what's the word? Like, status you know, quo? Status quo, right. yeah. We had another guest in the past, um, Janai. Janai Etienne. Etienne, who was on, and she really opened our eyes and she talked about the whole, like, if you have a room of white, just white men. You have to have diversity in that room because even men will get together and they'll assimilate into the same role and none of them will be themselves. And until well, they can be themselves, how and, are they going to be even open to letting other people be themselves? And, yeah, right. and she connected for me this idea that, um, think about it, the reason these firms can't move forward and can't embrace new technology and new ways of working together is because there's not enough diversity of thought mm. right. in period. that room, right? Thought, period. Yeah. It's about creating like diversity of experiences and, and life and experience. And you can't have that if, if you're all from the same group that has this limited life experience. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's something that like, I don't know, white guys have trouble understanding at least you know as a as a white guy you know hey this is something i can actually talk about uh, from my own experience is like you know there's this there's this feeling and especially i feel like people in accounting have this idea like everything should should be merit-based right like we should uh, you know the people who and this is the way the big firms are set up right like whoever works the hardest and bills the most gets to partner and, and that's the way it should be and it should always be that way right and um but the way the way it's set up, like you you see the fall off, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it's designed to create this narrow group of people that can succeed in that environment, and that's bad for the firm. Yeah, it's absolutely end. bad for the firm. The other piece of that is that you know when you ask if you start backing up and you go, okay, let's even say that it's merit based, and who's doing who's making the most contributions and who's bringing in the most work or whatever. Right. The way you define those. How do you define merit? Yeah, right. How do you define achievement? And, and, yeah. who, and yeah. who feels like they can actually come out and say, here's what I just did, and let me, let me share yeah. my story. Let me share, you know, who's yeah, doing that who's is going to be people who feel comfortable already doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And those who feel more tentative may be doing incredible work, but no one knows it because they're keeping it private. Yeah, and I saw that for myself, right, is that uh, it's very easy to take credit for other people's work on a team-based mm-hmm. environment like in an accounting firm, right? Mm-hmm. And, and people would do it all the time. And uh, people would stay late, right, just to be the last person leaving, even though it doesn't mean they did any better work or they did more work. And then, you know, the, the mom who leaves to pick up her kids 
gets penalized mm-hmm. in the eyes of the partner for not being as hardworking, Absolutely. even though maybe she is the one who supported all of this, you know, mm-hmm. to happen. Yes. And and we value we value hours put in rather than client relationships. Yeah, or quality of work. <laughs> or quality of work, mm-hmm. or and it, it's it's all set up, and you know, it's all set up in a way that uh, you know, if I'm willing to ignore my family, right? <laughs> Sacrifice my personal relationships and do nothing but stay in the office all the time, right. which is traditionally easier for, mm-hmm. you know, white males to do, mm-hmm. then you'll succeed. But, you know, it's just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. That is right there. <laughs> so two episodes ago, I think we had a news story about um, female-led companies, female CEO. If you have a female CEO or a female CFO, mm-hmm. they're more profitable. Remember yeah, they, yeah, that, yeah. Right? there's a study. Uh, what was it? I forget where it showed up, but yeah. Yes. Um, and also females on the board. More profitable. More profitable. Yeah. So, so I'm going to tie this back to some stats you have on your website, and I'm just going to read that here. Um, even though women make up 57% of college graduates, they comprise of only 38% of management positions and a meager 2% of CEOs. 2% of CEOs. Like, yeah. like that is... It's astounding. And so, like, so what does success look like? Obviously, you have individual client success, but what, what does success for women look like? Mm-hmm. Is it 50, 57% of college grads, 57% be CEOs? Like... Like, what is success? Like, what, what's the world you imagine for our daughters? Mm. I think what I want for myself and what I want for my daughter is to be able to choose. I think, I think just having the space for options and not feeling like this space isn't for you. You can't go to that space. You don't belong here because you've never been in this space. I feel like just being able to have the option of accessing as many different spaces and arenas would be a huge progress. I like that a lot because what I what I like about that is that it speaks to what you were saying earlier, Laura, about not having your space carved out by other people. Yeah. And but it's this kind of more opened up space where mm-hmm. I can decide that I'm gonna, you know, work hard, do awesome stuff and be a CEO. I can decide that I'm gonna create my own business. I'm gonna decide that I'm gonna take time and be with my kids. Yeah. Nobody is telling me I have to do either one of those things. Right. I'm the one in charge, right. you know, and I have a clear sense of how and why I want to make those decisions. Absolutely. I, I think too, just, um, you know, as a woman and as a black woman, I think that one of the things that has always um, struck me is that I am now having the ability to see that I can belong in a lot more places where I've just never seen anyone that looks like me which it was like mind blowing and you know I'm a grown ass woman. <laughs> so I you know I think just the fact of seeing women in spaces where you thought like oh I didn't know I could ex- exist in this space and that you belong, you know, um, and you're competent and capable of being here. Um, I think that's going to be huge. The takeaway for me I think is this like um, not carving out your own space or and it's the same, I think, if you using Blake's example of the guys working at the firm, right? They're they're not controlling their space. They're not making their value choices. They're just doing whatever they need to do because mm-hmm. right. everybody else told them they have to do that, right? And so mm-hmm. if everybody keeps compromising their own values, oh. and it's a very American way of working. Um, I've so I've lived in four different countries outside of the U.S. I'm in Portugal right now, and um, not right now. Well, <laughs> we, are, we, are, there. we are all physically here in San Jose. We, we kidnapped her. Not calling in, <laughs> yes. Um, but I find it's interesting because I feel it when I come back for any extended period of time in the U.S. Just the difference in workplace culture. 
um, everything shuts down for two hours in the middle of the day in, where I live in Portugal, you know. Nice. Yeah, including That's government offices. And it's annoying when you're trying to get something done, but it's nice when you live in a place where it's accepted that you spend time with your family. Mm. People meet together for meals um, during the day. Uh, and it's a really, really nice thing. I wish we had more Spending of that here. Spending time with family. Yeah. It's not yeah. a concept. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love the flexibility that I have, mm-hmm. right? Um, I get to work from home. I get to go pick up my son from school. Mm-hmm. Right? I get to see him in the morning. My father lived a life in corporate America where he was gone when I woke up yeah. and he came home when I went to sleep. Mm-hmm. And I saw, and if he was on business trips, I would go weeks without seeing him. And that was just normal. I thought yeah. that's the way it was when you grew up so I'm glad that things are changing in that regard and I think the stronger women get it it's going to make the world better for us men Absolutely. Well, my wife Great. doesn't put up with anything so <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's, she's changing our small family you know by, by saying hey you know this is going to be 50-50 mm-hmm. you know I'm not going to be the caretaker and you're mm-hmm. not going to be the breadwinner we're not going to do, gonna do it that way yeah. so, uh, so I, th- I think I, I totally agree David I feel like both of you I feel like it, it, it gives you it gives you guys more freedom, you know, so much yeah. more freedom to to choose in a way that you probably are pretty constrained right now in choosing. Um, so I feel like it goes both ways. I like sure. it. I actually, I think, I think every dad should, you know, have the the flexibility that I have, and you know, like yeah. ju- we need to change the way that we work in this country. Absolutely. Know, so that right. that families can spend time doing it together. Yeah. Right. So. Going back to your question earlier about what does success look like, I think it would be similar for women and men. How about if we just were able to be and to do things instead of always having to second guess and work ourselves up for things and compare and go, oh, I'm not qualified for Mm. that. How about if I just go, hey, here's a thing. Let me spend all my energy just doing and, and being that thing instead of all the internal stuff. And that goes for men, too. But it's certainly a challenge for women. So I know that you do a two-day course, and I'm hoping maybe in the time we have left on the show, you could kind of give us like a, a preview of some of the... A two-minute course. <laughs> yeah, like, well, like, Let's speed this up a minute per uh, day. Well, so we've, we're, you know, we've talked about like, we need to do this. We need to make this happen. Like, what are the things that you teach in your course? Like some of those you know, key learnings, if you can share, if anything you'd like to share. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, Abby, our other co-founder, Abby Louie, is not here. Um, she starts off our two-day training with a session on vision and values. So she actually starts with values and then goes to vision. And one of the things that's different about what we do is there's a lot of introspection and work. So people don't just sit there and listen to us talk. Most people don't enjoy just sitting for two straight days and listening. So <laughs> there's a lot of sticky notes involved and um, we have art supplies and people are moving around, they're interacting. Um, and so she's walking the, the people who are there through this process of defining their values, beginning to define a vision for themselves. Um, and then I get to take over after her and work through defining your core leadership message. So how do I define myself? Who am I? And how do I show up? And then it goes over um, to Nancy. Okay. And then uh, I take the baton from <laughs> Stacy, and we go, okay, here's this cool core message that is unique to you and really reflects your values and, and your vision. How do you begin to tell that story um, physically even? So what we're leading up to, again, is that they're going to develop a story and share that 
live in front of each other, in front of 29 other women, right? So we start with a piece on physical presence, and that's where we make that we begin to make that shift from the internal work to the external work. How do you show up? So what does physical presence look like? Then um, we spend a fair amount of time helping them develop a story that really helps people understand who they are and what kind of leader, what kind of professional they are. And then they share that and their laughter and tears and those kinds of things. And then Laura... And then, um, so, so the process, as you can see, is um, we work from the inside out, right? Be- and where my part is, um, how do you create this like really great package with all the work that you've done from the inside to make sure that it's expressive in the most authentic way on the outside through wardrobe styling and just putting on a damn good outfit that you feel and look good in? Um, but it, one of the, the main things that I dive into is, um, is letting um, our attendees recognize that you have this space to really create how you are showing up to the world. And you can choose how you define that in a really powerful way. Um, and whether it's feeling good in those jeans that you're putting on um, or rocking that most awesome blazer, whatever it is, it's just having ownership in that you are being authentically you and not someone in a magazine or something you saw on a mannequin or, you know, it's, it's, it's being reflected from the inside out. And, um, and at the end of the day, it just makes getting dressed a lot easier. <laughs> what is interesting about the fact that we all chose to kind of wrap the whole thing up with this great bow of the wardrobe styling with Laura is that a lot of women's trainings really shy away from that. And I understand why. It's a little like, oh, really? Are we going to well, do clothes? I, I read Ernst & Young, apparently, didn't shy away from it. I don't know if you saw that story. Uh-uh. We talked about it recently. No. Uh, some of their internal training materials for women were released, leaked. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And You're right. it wasn't exactly the most flattering type Correct. of training. So. Yeah. Right, right. So instead of, you know, con- creating more con- constrictions and saying, yeah. here's what you must do and can do right. and, and all that, um, it's like, let's show you how to do it. And then you take it from here. You decide how you want to do things. You have mm-hmm. ownership over this. Mm-hmm. But trainings that don't give women at least that information leave them kind of, they're very hungry for it, we've realized. Mm-hmm. They get really, really into it. And they go, oh, you mean I could do this? I could do that? And there's a lot of self-doubt and even self-hatred that comes out in these sessions, right? Um, and and uh, it's it's a pretty healing experience. And I can see how there's a domino effect of this. Like if yeah. you, you can get somebody to just like, you can pick what you want to wear to a business meeting. You don't have to wear what you're told you have to wear to a business meeting and that it's a domino, right? And then that leads to another decision you make, like, oh, I can make the decision of the choice, right? It's intentionality. Yeah. I mean, really, at the end of the day. And part of it for all of us is we've all been impacted by each other in yeah. our own growth. And part of why we came together is because we believe in in each other um, and the impact that they've had on us. So Nancy, Laura, Abby have all had a really profound impact on me. And um, we were working with all these people and referring them between each other. And so we were able to pull it together into this really powerful experience rather than kind of jostling people between us. So it's it's been it's been pretty neat to see the impact yeah well to end on a slightly a lighter note um (laughs) holiday season is coming up and people are going to be buying toys for their their girls right their daughters uh and i saw i don't know where i saw this but um i saw a barbie recently entomologist barbie so i want to get your opinion 
knowing that Barbie hasn't always been exactly the best role model, but like, is this a good thing? You know, I. <laughs> I have so I, many I, feelings. I want to. I want to see the outfit first. Um, <laughs> That's not pretty. But, <laughs> we're gonna lose our Mattel sponsorship. <laughs> uh. But I, you know, look, Barbie is an iconic figure, right? Yeah. It's uh, Mattel is a giant in the in the in the toy industry, and I think it's important that we as consumers hold these giants. Um, like have our expectations met as far as what we want for our children, you know, and for our family. And I think, I think that, you know, uh, anthropologists. So uh, I I had to actually look closely. Yeah. It's somebody who studies insects. That's a very specific, you know, Barbie occupation, but it's, I was thinking it's good because it used to be, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think pink Corvette. Yeah, Barbie. I think it's a. I think it's a good. I mean, she's still wearing pink. Don't get me wrong. I think but she's also she's also wearing like science sciencey stuff too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a. I think it's it's a drop in the bucket that we need to fill, and I think that like these small you know micro movements matter, and you know we're not going to fill the bucket overnight, and that's okay, you know. But I think every step. Or every drop. <laughs> every drop. drop. I, I feel is. like, honestly, we've, we've sworn a couple of times. So I think it's been a kind of half-ass effort for most of the toy manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Like, where are the non-white toys? You know, mm-hmm. I feel like, why don't we have more colors represented yeah. in the outfits? I so, don't know. Well, you now know? we go back so, to your no, stats about I, management, right? So uh, my son is obsessed with the game um, Guess Who? Any of you yeah. played oh, that yeah. recently? And so I looked at the I looked at Guess Who when you know we've been playing it for a little while, and I'm like, God, these are all super white names. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you bet. 100%. Even for the people of color, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this. They haven't fixed this yet. You know, it's yeah. like it's like John, Sally, you know. There's Will. right. I I don't remember uh, the photographer, but there is this image of um, a little white girl, and she's standing in a toy store, and it's all black dolls oh that's cool oh right and it's you know when i saw it it yeah. like like i i got choked up because i think there was a part of me that felt like could this ever <laughs> it just seems like oh my gosh like th- i can't even imagine that ever happening huh. you know and i think the fact that that space exists um for a lot of you know, young black girls and boys um, to be in many spaces where they just never see themselves. It's, it's a big deal. Two quick things I want to say about the Barbie. One is it's cool to have them do like, you know, entomologist Barbie and there's a Frida Kahlo Barbie in a, yeah. a space astronaut that's the word astronaut Barbie <laughs> it'd be really cool if they would take away the tiny little feet that are also jammed into high heels because yes. I heard about the entomologist Barbie it was really hard for them to get the boots on her feet <laughs> right the other thing is that it's cool to have entomologist Barbie but wouldn't it also be cool to just like buy your daughter an insect collection kit or a microscope yeah. and we need a, a PwC partner Barbie, right? Yeah, there big, you four, go. big four accountant That's Barbie. That's right. I will also say that my 25-year-old son, when he was little, had a Barbie, and his father was so embarrassed to have him take it around on plane trips and, and things, but it, it was his Barbie. So if you're going to have Barbies, like they should be, you know, like boys should be able to play with them too. I like it. Definitely. So you guys have a busy schedule. You guys are doing um, coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Coaching, presenting, 
mentoring. So what's the best way if somebody uh, who's listening wants to go to your boot camp in Boise? Is that <laughs> <laughs> we're at nextlevelwomenleaders.com and we're also on Instagram at the same handle. And, and how about each of you personally? I mean, uh, our, our listeners, like they can't see us. So would you mind going down the row again and just uh, saying who you are and, and how people can get in touch with you? Yeah, I'm Stacy Ennis. I'm an author and consultant. Um, my website is stacyennis.com. I'm Nancy Buffington. I'm a public speaking coach and trainer, and my website is nancybuffington.net. I'm Laura Tully. I'm a personal wardrobe stylist and influencer, and you can reach me at lauratully.co. And as always, I am at Blake T. Oliver. And you, David? I'm at David Leary. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you.